the location, backstage of a small town university theater in Kentucky. Five minutes to places, everybody. This is your five minutes to places, please. Opening night is always special. The audience is seating themselves, anxious to see theater majors trod the boards, while backstage is abuzz with the anticipation of the first scene. Tonight is different. The run crew, usually bustling about with large black headsets, are now stopped, listening intently to their intercom systems. The cast, in their dressing rooms, giving themselves a once-over for stray hair, or an out-of-place costume piece, are all silent as well. Normally, the calls of the stage manager are all that boom through this intercom, but not tonight. Tonight, the only sound that can be heard is a certain dolt saying something he thought was in confidence. Guess what I got up to last night? Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Join a couple of dolts as we dote out some anecdotes. Welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who once told intimate personal stories over headset without realizing the entire building was wired in to listen. Joining me on this podcast is the guy who listens to my personal stories as I broadcast them to the world, Ben Lehman. Uh, I am permanently scarred. <laughs> <laughs> it is scary inside your little mind. Well, I was a little freshman in college, <laughs> and I was the light board op for the seagull, Anton Chekhov's The Seagull, Damn. and um, we were all in the booth together, and I was telling stories to the soundboard operator and the stage manager. <laughs> With headset on, and I was just, I was talking about how at that point it was um, for listeners who've listened to a lot. Uh, the girl who my short story, Affections, which just finished oh. its night week run on the podcast <laughs> and lost me hundreds of listeners, um, it was her. And I was talking about how I just like, oh yeah, we made out last night and yada yada yada. Oh, and so I was like saying all this like real personal stuff, and then um, the next day. One of my professors was like, John, are, were you aware that all of us have access to that? And I have it in, hooked up in my office, and I heard everything that you were saying. Uh, oh, no. And I was like, no, I didn't. And she was like, did you also know it went through all of the dressing rooms, all of the backstage oh, areas, no. the green room? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was very, very embarrassed. Oh, my God. I would have been mortified. I was yes. awful. Absolutely awful. I went to the bathroom during a show and forgot that I was wearing a mic. And they didn't turn it off. Oh, and God. so, like, the I was in the middle of a show, so the audience heard all of my bathroom business and the toilet flushing. And, <laughs> <sighs> so. Was that the biggest applause you got that night? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's my finest performance to date. He did such a shitty job. Oh, but I'm... So, John, yes. what is our theme this week? This week, we're talking about Risks, Ooh. not the board game. Thank God, because that is the most boring board <gasps> game I've no, ever it's played. Not. Oh, my God, I hate it. Oh, it's so much fun. It's worse than Monopoly to me. It goes on forever. It's like Game ever, of Thrones, but with your family, so you want to kill everyone. Well, 
Although my mom always cheated and she always won. Let's <laughs> see, I don't need a board game for that. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> we don't either. It was stupid to try and put us no. into that. Anyway. Um, but no, so risks um, that we take in our lives. Um, I feel like everyone has taken some kind of risk in their life. I mean, we have to take little risks daily, right? To get through our day, usually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, and I think, I think that's the thing. Because like, when you think of the word risk... Like, you think of something that has huge stakes to it. Yes. But I don't think it necessarily does have to be that. I think, you know, you can talk about emotional risks, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, like, taking those every day. I mean, I'm kind of an anxiety-ridden person. Mm -hmm. I might not show it on the outside. Sometimes I maybe do. I don't know. I don't know what the perception (laughs) is of me. But (laughs) even if I have to approach, like... uh, asking for something uh, from a friend or a coworker, or it takes me a minute to get up my nerve to ask for what I need. So mm-hmm. that's like a day-to-day risk that I have to take just because I, I see it as a risk because I'm full of anxiety. So there's like successful risks and then there are risks that you take, like, I don't know, asking somebody out on a date or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working up, telling someone how you feel about them Mm -hmm. or, you know, whether that's romantically or whether that's like you did something to hurt me or I needed to get this off my chest. Those are all the kind of daily risks we take, I guess, as people. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's deciding to step out and enter society every day is a risk in itself. And so I think that it's, you know, it's important that, that, you know, we as human beings recognize that the fact that we're rolling around in this little marble. I mean, and what we do for, I mean, what we do as artists, I think we take risks all the time. I mean, just to put yourself out there and be vulnerable in front of a crowd of people. Yeah. That's is a risk. mm -hmm. And like in the rehearsal room too, like there were Mm -hmm. a couple of things that I did in the moment today that just kind of leapt into my body. Mm -hmm. And I just was, took the risk and was free to do them and they paid off. Like Mm -hmm. they were good. Um, but then, you know, you take risks sometimes in the rehearsal room and you fall flat on your face. Like failure is part of it. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I remember in my, in an acting techniques class in college, we were supposed to, our, our instructor gave us a list of emotions that we, we didn't tell anyone what, what we were playing, but we had to act it out by saying, and it was like a simple phrase that everybody had to use the same phrase. So it was like, you know, I want more. And then you had to say it, whether you were happy, you were sad, you right. wanted something, something like that. And we, the everyone else had to guess what that emotion was. And so it was a really good way of you learning to like right. how to project emotion, but you had to take a risk in order to do it. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do like, like desperation. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to do. And so I remember like I, I took a big deep breath. I fell to my knees and I like screamed, I want more at the top of my lungs, <laughs> like super like Stella. Yes. And, uh, I remember like I collapsed and I was like, oh, yeah, that was really good. And then the, the teacher was like, what the hell was that? Oh no. And she was like, was, was your emotion psychotic? And I was like, oh, ouch. oh no. Snap. Yeah. So it was that thing of like, sometimes those risks don't pay off. Yeah. But I think that like that was it was a teaching moment, though. And so even though the risk did not give me the reward I wanted, I still got something out of taking that risk. So what would you say the biggest risk that you've ever taken is? Like, um, I think one of the biggest is me moving up here to Bangor because I like I started by running a small theater in Kentucky and it was comfortable because I'd grown up there. And then yeah. I took the risk to tour and then I took the risk to stop touring because that was comfortable um, to move up to a brand new state 
um, that I'd only been to for a couple of months, years earlier. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really know anyone. I didn't have any family connections or anything. And I moved up here and it was, you know, it, it correlated with a couple of other major events in life that made it really difficult. But it's, I've met some of the greatest people and some of the, um, like the, the best friends that I, I think I could have, I would have missed out on if I hadn't taken those risks. Excellent. What about you? Um, coming out of the closet, like mm. to the world, mm. not just, I mean, it was kind of a process, but like, I think, uh, when I finally was just like, I'm just gonna <laughs> embrace this fully and I don't care. And I started being really open about it. Yeah. Um, not kind of like in your face about it, but just sort of like living openly and not, and answering honestly and like facing my fear about, you know, as was like 1993, maybe when I was ready to just kind of like you know, embrace it fully. And like, it was, you know, you, you never know how people are going to react, especially in a small place in Maine. Yeah. Um, and at the time it was still kind of a, a, a little bit of a taboo still in mm-hmm. 1993. I mean, here in 2019, I don't feel like it's a taboo anymore. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's still some friction about it, but in those days it was like, it, it, but my choice was either to live freely or live in fear, and mm-hmm. I've never been one that's been able to live in any kind of fear or emotional discomfort. I have to take care of what others bothering me because I have to have inner peace to survive. I can't deal with it. So mm-hmm. I just was like made the decision to just be like, you know, I'm just going to walk forward into this and embrace it and explore it. And, you know, that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Go um, me. Yeah, good job, Ben. Pat, Pat. (laughs) Ben, do you have any advice for our listeners this week? Uh, In regard to risks Mm -hmm. and risk-taking? Yes. I would just say, you know, if there's something that is burning inside of your person to change or to embrace that you are have a fear around and fear is the thing that's stopping you from moving forward towards something you want Mm -hmm. in particular, whether it's a life change, whether it's a move, whether it's something you have to fix in your job or your love life or whatever it is, if it's something that is eating and, you know, like prying away at you or whatever, like just take the risk, take the gulp, walk into the fear and do what you need to do to take care of it. Because you can't grow and you can't move forward if you're scared Mm -hmm. or if you let fear overtake you. So my advice about taking risks is if it's a positive risk that, you know, isn't going to, you know, it's not a foolish risk like taking a fistful of ecstasy and hanging out a window like an idiot, um, then... Take the risk. Walk into the fear. If it's going to be positive growth, if it succeeds, and even if you fail and you don't succeed, you took the risk and you can be proud of the fact that you tried to do something positive for your life. Mm. So I say that's a win-win. Either way, you're going to learn something. And if your risk pays off and you get to change that thing and you get a new chapter, a new beginning, or a fresh feeling, start and growth, then it's worth the fear. Living in that fear for a minute while you take that risk very nice very nice very well said yeah thank you so we have a special guest our first guest for this season yeah i'm very excited yeah um no pressure no pressure at all so 
We're going to welcome this week's guest. Rachel Bechtel is originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, where she received her BFA in technical theater with minors in communication and deaf studies. Since graduating in 2016, Rachel has worked in stage management intern with Florida Repertory Theater as an assistant company manager at the Theater by the Sea in Rhode Island. That sounds delightful. It does. The Theater by the Sea. Mm. Starring Judy Dench as the sea. Um, <laughs> let's see what else. Oh, and as most recently as general management representative for Food of Love Productions, an off-Broadway immersive Shakespeare company in New York City. She currently works as an arts administrator for the Penobscot Theater Company here in Bangor. Welcome, Rachel. Oh my gosh. Hi, everyone. Um, I didn't realize you guys were going to read my whole bio. That's so exciting. You sound so professional. You do sound real professional oh from there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You look professional, too. Semi. We'll see. She is wearing a beret uh, and a black, what, is, what would you call that? Shirt. A sh- sweater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Top. cut off tonight. Clothing. <laughs> Fabric. Mm-hmm. You look very French. Um, here, Thanks. I've got a little e-cigarette if you want to just add to the look. <laughs> Don't vape, you'll get popcorn lung. It's a stupid risk. Oh, put that down. Throw it away. Like, no. you shouldn't be doing that. Dude, I actually don't inhale the, the, the vape pen. Oh my I actually, gosh. I like to fill my mouth up with it um, whenever I'm seeing <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, so that way I have my own little fog machine. Wow. <laughs> the sad thing is that's not a lie i feel like that was a real risk to tell us that I, yes. it was and now you will never forget it <laughs> good thing is no one listens to this so we're fine um okay so rachel you have recently taken a pretty decent risk um by moving up here from new york city to bangor sure have john um i thank you for the patter that was great like conversation patter? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I lived in New York for about two years. And then one day I got the call from um, Penobscot Theater in Maine. And they were like, we've got this job open. And I said, great, it's in Maine. And then I really thought about it, and I interviewed, and there were a whole lot of other things happening in my life where I was working three different jobs, working 85-hour weeks. That's not an exaggeration. I actually did the math, and I was just kind of working myself into the ground. Um, and the whole point of me moving to New York City, which was an, my own risk a couple of years before that, um, was so that I could have a life and then suddenly I wasn't living a life. I was just working for one. Um, so when I got the call to move to Maine, I had never even been to Maine, but suddenly Maine sounded so appealing. And so I thought, when is this ever going to come around again? So why not? The city will always be there and it's a great place to be when you're visiting. Um, so I took the leap. I had two weeks to find a car, to find a new roommate for my old apartment, and to somehow get from New York to Maine. So, and here we are, a couple of months later, it's snowing, so <laughs> that's uh, new. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so, good risk? I think all risks are good risk. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's like when somebody says, uh, you know, I regret this or I regret that. I don't 
I don't, I'm one of those people who doesn't really live with regrets or that they did something that didn't help them learn something else. So I think all risks are ultimately good risks because they're either going to teach you something or um, you're going to move forward in something else. So That's a good way of looking at life. Yeah. I like that. I'm pretty positive. You, you are pretty positive. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, so uh, would you say that moving up here from New York was your biggest risk? Or do you think moving from North Carolina to New York? Or is there another one that you think is a bigger risk? Um, I think that there are just like different levels and different categories of risks. You know, every theater person is like, I love New York. I hated New York. Every time I went to visit it, I was like, how can anybody live here? You know, and my brother had lived there for so long and I always grew up visiting him and he loved it. And every time it was like, the subway sucks and it smells and people work so much and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly, a few years later, I am like, hey dad, you want to drive me to New York? I think I'm going to move there. Um, and it just kind of was like fate. It was just this huge leap of faith that brought me there. And it's true. The subways do suck and it does smell and people do work a lot, but there is its own magic to it. And every day just getting up and going out into it was its own risk because you didn't know what to expect. And I think that's true anywhere, not just in a big city, but in a small town too. Every day here, it's different. I feel like I'm experiencing this culture shock moving from New York to Bangor, Maine. Because well, there you got to worry about muggings. Here you got to worry about killer clowns. That is so true. <laughs> but only here in Derry. Only here in <laughs> only here in Bangor. Only here. Fun fact for our listeners who do not know this. Um, Bangor is the uh, reference point, would you say that? Yeah. It is dairy. It, it's the inspiration for It's dairy. the inspiration for dairy, which is where it and Pennywise the clown are. So Super there you go. Creepy. Sorry, yeah. you were saying though. Time no, to float. I mean it's just Time to float. Time to float. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I leave. Um no, it's uh it's like there are just subtle subtle there are major differences, but <laughs> <laughs> subtle differences. <laughs> what population of millions <laughs> in a couple thousand. The, the, the population of this town is one block in New York. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is the silence. I'm just not comfortable mm. with silence yet. Um, and the fact that everybody just goes home at the end of the day. Do you just have like a white noise machine in your apartment that's just like beeping and honking? No, I, I, no that's a great idea though. Oh, you're Secret welcome. Secret Santa gift, right? Okay, I'll work on that. Um, <laughs> No, um, but it's just like the humdrum of energy that you yeah. always feel in like a city. And the same energy that drains you is is something that I'm like, oh, what what is missing here? And I'm actually a little bit more creeped out by like walking home in the silence than I am walking home in like a big city. But Especially So I risk balloon. my life every day walking in the silence of Bangor, Maine. <laughs> I, I, I have told you many times when I offer to drive you home... And I'm like, oh, see the clown over there? See that red balloon floating? What did I say? See that Every cat? That mangy looking cat? <laughs> Welcome to the Stephen King podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be down. I love you, Mr. King. I took a risk once when I was young to ask Stephen King for his autograph, and he said no. Oh. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's the day Ben knew what rejection was. He was super nice about it, though. He was at a basketball game with his kids, and he was like, you know, I'm not going to do this. He has kids. He has three children, yeah. He's and co-written one, a book with yeah, one of and them. One of his one of his sons is a very famous author right now, <laughs> like incredibly famous right now. Really? Yeah. He's like blown up huge. I thought, Joe by the Hill. way, that uh, Mr. Stephen King abuses and murders children in his books that he just like didn't have any. Well, he originally had ten, but only. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. More later from the Stephen King podcast. <laughs> so well, now we're on to our main segment, the anecdotal dote. So here's how it works. We have a random word generator that will select a word that none of us has seen before. This is true story. Your job is to tell a true story based on that word and inspired by a theme of risks. Rachel, are you ready for your word? Tough. You're getting it anyway. <laughs> Your word is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I'm. I have the word gener- generator. Oh, sorry. I'm really nervous for this. Okay. <laughs> Your word. Your buzzword is uh-huh. smell. So, I read, and I kind of I told you this story the other day. I read in, gosh, was it Seventeen magazine back in like. 2006 or 7 when that was like all the rage uh, before technology and uh, I read that men boys are most attracted to the scent of vanilla like that is what they're attracted to so me being in 6th or 7th grade I had this massive crush on this boy whose name I will not disclose in case we ever cross paths again in our life. But he was so dreamy. He's a big fan of the He's podcast. He's a big fan. I think he lives in Florida. He's a true dote. Um, oh, he was so dreamy. I had a crush on him for years until we got separated by moving to separate schools. So it was my last year before <laughs> I knew we were going to be separated to like make my move. But of course, in the sixth grade, seventh grade, can't remember, um, we wore uniforms or so like not a really great opportunity to stand out. Um, so the next uh. step was to make myself smell good. Um, so I read in this uh, this magazine that meant boys responded to vanilla. So I went out to Bath and Body Works because if you're a girl in the early 2000s, that's where you go is Bath and Body Works and you're either a um, sweet pea girl or you're a warm vanilla girl. And I was definitely a warm vanilla girl. Oh, the warm vanilla sugar cube? Oh, sugar. That's what it is. Warm vanilla sugar. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, yeah. my mom is one of those, too. Oh, yeah. Hi, and, mom. <laughs> I hope you don't have any more of that crap. It's kind of awful now. They've updated way better. Because um, you just smell like you washed your hands in sugar cookie dough. And what boy is not attracted to that? <laughs> Touche. Thank you, Teen Magazine. <laughs> Um, so I just remember always, it, we had French class together, <laughs> so I would always spray myself because it was before, it was after gym and then before French, it was sixth period, that's what it was. So I would always spray myself with this warm vanilla sugar and then I would sit right across from him and believe that he was looking at me or whatever and that was never true. He never did. And uh, it was a love that was unrequited. And if you're listening to this, I still love you. And uh, I'm just oh kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Professions. First time exclusive here on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Dear Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> 
Yes. Ah. Oh, her jaw just fell right open. <laughs> See, I was really hoping that you were going to say that you just got a big bottle of McCormick's and just doused yourself in vanilla extract. <laughs> no, but also, why didn't I think of that? I spent all this money on Bath and Body Works when that also could have been the answer. But that would have been truly terrible because the vanilla would have just worn away and you just would have smelled like a buttload of alcohol. <laughs> and what you- boy is not a Oh, well, folks. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much to our guest, Rachel Bechtel, for joining us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. If you don't like what you heard, still subscribe. Doesn't hurt you either way. If you have a story inspired by our buzzword, we would love to hear from you. And your story might be shared and mocked on a future podcast. <laughs> Send them to us in written, filmed, or audio by to the edit. If you have a story inspired by our buzzword, we would love to hear from you. Our story, your edit. <laughs> if you have a story inspired by our buzzword, we would love to hear from you. Your story might be shared on a future podcast. Send them into us, written, filmed, or by audio at theanecdotaldote at gmail.com. And remember, everyone has a story to tell, especially you. So share those stories with us. A podcast with fluctuating qualities audio. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Woo-hoo. <laughs> All right, we gotta go. The turkey's dead. <laughs>